0: Part One, Chapter Three of the House of the Dead by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translator Unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Three First Impressions During the first weeks, and naturally the early part of my imprisonment, made a deep impression on my imagination. The following years, on the other hand, are all mixed up together and leave but a confused recollection certain epochs of this life are even effaced from my memory i have kept one general impression of it always the same painful monotonous stifling what i saw and experienced during the first days of my imprisonment seems to me as if it had all taken place yesterday such was sure to be the case i remember perfectly that in the first place this life astonished me by the very fact that it offered nothing particular nothing extraordinary or to express myself better nothing unexpected it was not until later on when i had lived some time in the convict prison that i understood all that was exceptional and unforeseen in such a life i was astonished at the discovery i will avow that this astonishment remained with me throughout my term of punishment i could not decidedly reconcile myself to this existence first of all i experienced an invincible repugnance on arriving but oddly enough the life seemed to me less painful than i had imagined on the journey indeed prisoners though embarrassed by their irons went to and fro in the prison freely enough they insulted one another sang worked smoked pipes and drank spirits there were not many drinkers all the same there were also regular card parties during the night the labour did not seem to me very trying I fancied that it could not be the real hard labour. I did not understand till long afterwards why this labour was really hard and excessive. It was less by reason of its difficulty than because it was forced, imposed, obligatory, and it was only done through fear of the stick. The peasant works certainly harder than the convict, for during the summer he works night and day. But it is in his own interest that he fatigues himself. His aim is reasonable, so that he suffers less than the convict who performs hard labour from which he derives no profit it once came into my head that if it were desired to reduce a man to nothing to punish him atrociously to crush him in such a manner that the most hardened murderer would tremble before such a punishment and take fright beforehand it would be necessary to give to his work a character of complete uselessness even to absurdity hard labour as it is now carried on presents no interest to the convict but it has its utility the convict makes bricks digs the earth builds and all his occupations have a meaning and an end sometimes even the prisoner takes an interest in what he is doing he then wishes to work more skilfully more advantageously let him be constrained to pour water from one vessel into another or to transport a quantity of earth from one place to another in order to perform the contrary operation immediately afterwards then I am persuaded that at the end of a few days the prisoner would strangle himself or commit a thousand crimes punishable with death, rather than live in such an abject condition and endure such torments. It is evident that such punishment would be rather a torture an atrocious vengeance than a correction. It would be absurd, for it would have no natural end. I did not, however, arrive until the winter, in the month of December, and the labor was then unimportant in our fortress i had no idea of the summer labor five times as fatiguing the prisoners during the winter season broke up on the urtich some old boats belonging to the government found occupation in the workshops took away the snow blown by hurricanes against the buildings or burned and pounded alabaster as the day was very short the work ceased at an early hour and everyone returned to the convict prison where there was scarcely anything to do except the supplementary work which the convicts did for themselves scarcely a third of the convicts worked seriously the others idled their time and wandered about without aim in the barracks scheming and insulting one another those who had a little money got drunk on spirits or lost what they had saved at gambling and all this from idleness weariness and want of something to do I learn, moreover, to know one suffering which is perhaps the sharpest, the most painful that can be experienced in a house of detention, apart from laws and liberty. I mean forced cohabitation. Cohabitation is more or less forced everywhere and always, but nowhere is it so horrible as in a prison. There are men there with whom no one would consent to live. I am certain that every convict, unconsciously perhaps, has suffered from this the food of the prisoners seemed to me passable some declared even that it was incomparably better than in any russian prison i cannot certify to this for i was never in prison anywhere else many of us besides were allowed to procure whatever nourishment we wanted as fresh meat cost only three kopecks a pound those who always had money allowed themselves the luxury of eating it the majority of the prisoners were contented with a regular ration When they praised the diet of the convict prison, they were thinking only of the bread, which was distributed at the rate of so much per room and not individually or by weight. This last condition would have frightened the convicts, for a third of them at least would have constantly suffered from hunger, while with the system in vogue everyone was satisfied. Our bread was particularly nice and was even renowned in the town. Its good quality was attributed to the excellent construction of the prison ovens, as for our cabbage soup it was cooked and thickened with flour it had not an appetizing appearance on working days it was clear and thin but what particularly disgusted me was the way it was served the prisoners however paid no attention to that during the three days that followed my arrival i did not go to work some respite was always given to prisoners just arrived in order to allow them to recover from their fatigue the second day i had to go out of the convict prison in order to be ironed. My chain was not of the regulation pattern, it was composed of rings, which gave forth a clear sound, so I heard other convicts say. I had to wear them externally over my clothes, whereas my companions had chains formed not of rings, but of four links as thick as the finger, and fastened together by three links which were worn beneath the trousers. To the central ring was fastened a strip of leather, tied in its turn to a girdle fastened over the shirt i can see again the first morning that i passed in the convict prison the drum sounded in the orderly room near the principal entrance ten minutes afterwards the under officer opened the barracks the convicts woke up one after another and rose trembling with cold from their plank bedsteads by the dull light of a tallow candle nearly all of them were morose they yawned and stretched themselves their foreheads marked by the iron were contracted some made the sign of the cross Others began to talk nonsense. The cold air from outside rushed in as soon as the door was opened. Then the prisoners hurried round the pails full of water, one after another, and took water in their mouths, and, letting it out into their hands, washed their faces. Those pails had been brought in the night before, by a prisoner specially appointed, according to the rules, to clean the barracks. The convicts chose him themselves he did not work with the others for it was his business to examine the camp bedsteads and the floors to fetch and carry water this water served in the morning for the prisoners ablutions and the rest during the day for ordinary drinking that very morning there were disputes on the subject of one of the pitchers what are you doing there with your marked forehead grumbled one of the prisoners tall dry and sallow he attracted attention by the strange protuberances with which his skull was covered He pushed against another convict, round and small, with a lively, rubicund countenance. Just wait. What are you crying out about? You know that a fine must be paid when the others are kept waiting. Off with you. What a monument, my brethren. A little calf, he went on muttering. See, the white bread of the prison has fattened him. For what do you take yourself? A fine bird, indeed. You are about right. What bird do you mean? You don't require to be told. How so? find out they devoured one another with their eyes the little man waiting for a reply with clenched fists was apparently ready to fight i thought that an encounter would take place it was all quite new to me accordingly i watched the scene with curiosity later on i learnt that such quarrels were very innocent that they served for entertainment like an amusing comedy it scarcely ever ended in blows this characteristic plainly informed me of the manners of the prisoners the tall prisoner remained calm and majestic he felt that some answer was expected from him if he was not to be dishonored covered with ridicule it was necessary for him to show that he was a wonderful bird a personage accordingly he cast a side look on his adversary endeavouring with inexpressible contempt to irritate him by looking at him over his shoulders up and down as he would have done with an insect at last the little fat man was so irritated that he would have thrown himself upon his adversary had not his companions surrounded the combatants to prevent a serious quarrel from taking place fight with your fists not with your tongues cried a spectator from a corner of the room no hold them answered another they are going to fight we are fine fellows one against seven is our style fine fighting men one was here for having sneaked a pound of bread the other is a pot stealer He was whipped by the executioner for stealing a pot of curdled milk from an old woman. Enough, keep quiet, cried a retired soldier, whose business it was to keep order in the barrack, and who slept in a corner of the room on a bedstead of his own. Water, my children, water for Nevalid Petrovitch! water for our little brother who has just woke up. Your brother? Am I your brother? Did we ever drink a rouble's worth of spirits together, muttered the old soldier, as he passed his arms through the sleeves of his greatcoat? The roll was about to be called, for it was already late. The prisoners were hurrying towards the kitchen. They had to put on their pelisses and were to receive in their bi-coloured caps the bread which one of the cooks, one of the bakers, that is to say, was distributing among them. These cooks, like those who did the household work, were chosen by the prisoners themselves. There were two for the kitchen, making four in all for the convict prison. They had at their disposal the only kitchen knife authorized in the prison which was used for cutting up the bread and meat. The prisoners arranged themselves in groups around the tables as best they could, in caps and pelisses with leather girdles round their waists all ready to begin work. Some of the convicts had kvass before them in which they steeped pieces of bread. The noise was insupportable. Many of the convicts, however, were talking together in corners with a steady, tranquil air. Good morning and good appetite, Father Antonich, said a young prisoner sitting down by the side of an old man who had lost his teeth if you are not joking well good morning said the latter without raising his eyes and endeavouring to masticate a piece of bread with his toothless gums i declare i fancied you were dead Antonich. die first i will follow you i sat down beside them on my right two convicts were conversing with an attempt at dignity i am not likely to be robbed said one of them i am more afraid of stealing myself it would not be a good idea to rob me the devil i should pay the man out but what would you do you are only a convict we have no other name you will see that she will rob you the wretch without even saying thank you the money i gave her was wasted just fancy she was here a few days ago where were we to go shall i ask permission to go into the house of theodore the executioner he has still his house in the suburb the one he bought from that Solomon, you know, that scurvy Jew who hung himself not long since. Yes, I know him, the one who sold liquor here three years ago and who was called Gritchka, the secret drinking shop. I know. All brag, you don't know. In the first place it is another drinking shop. What do you mean another? You don't know what you are talking about. I will bring you as many witnesses as you like. Oh, you will bring them, will you? Who are you?' "'Do you know to whom you are speaking?' "'Yes, indeed. "'I have often thrashed you, though I don't boast of it. "'Do not give yourself airs, then. "'You have thrashed me? "'The man who will thrash me is not yet born, "'and the man who did thrash me is six feet beneath the ground. "'Plague-stricken rascal of bender! "'May the Siberian leprosy devour you with ulcers! "'May a chopper cleave your dog of a head!' Insults were falling about like rain. Come now, they are going to fight. When men have not been able to conduct themselves properly, they should keep silent. They are too glad to come and eat the government bread, the rascals. They were soon separated. Let them fight with the tongue as much as they wish. That is permitted. It is a diversion at the service of everyone, but no blows. It is indeed only in extraordinary cases that blows were exchanged. If a fight took place, information was given to the major— who ordered an inquiry or directed one himself, and then woe to the convicts. Accordingly, they set their faces against anything like a serious quarrel. Besides, they insulted one another chiefly to pass the time as an oratorical exercise. They get excited. The quarrel takes a furious, ferocious character. They seem about to slaughter one another. Nothing of the kind takes place. As soon as their anger has reached a certain pitch, they separate. That astonished me much and if I relate some of the conversations between the convicts, I do so with a purpose. Could I have imagined that people could have insulted one another for pleasure, that they could find enjoyment in it? We must not forget the gratification of vanity. A dialectician who knows how to insult artistically is respected. A little more, and he would be applauded like an actor. Already, the night before, I noticed some glances in my direction. On the other hand, several convicts hung around me, as if they had suspected that I had brought money with me. They endeavoured to get into my good graces by teaching me how to carry my irons without being incommoded. They also gave me, of course in return for money, a box with a lock in order to keep safe the things which had been entrusted to me by the administration, and the few shirts which I had been allowed to bring with me to the convict prison. Not later than next morning these same prisoners stole my box and drank the money which they had taken out of it. One of them became afterwards a great friend of mine, though he robbed me whenever an opportunity offered itself. He was all the same vexed at what he had done. He committed these thefts almost unconsciously, as if in the way of a duty. Consequently, I bore him no grudge. These convicts let me know that one could have tea and that I should do well to get myself a teapot. They found me one, which I hired for a certain time. They also recommended me a cook who for thirty kopecks a month would arrange the dishes i might desire if it was my intention to buy provisions and take my meals apart of course they borrowed money from me the day of my arrival they asked me for some at three different times the noblemen degraded from their position here incarcerated in the convict prison were badly looked upon by their fellow prisoners although they had lost all their rights like the other convicts they were not looked upon as comrades in this instinctive repugnance there was a sort of reason to them we were always gentlemen although they often laughed at our fall ah it's all over now mosseau's carriage formally crushed the passers-by at moscow now mosseau picks hemp they knew our sufferings though we hid them as much as possible it was above all when we were all working together that we had most to endure for our strength was not so great as theirs and we were really not of much assistance to them nothing is more difficult than to gain the confidence of the common people above all such people as these there were only a few of us who were of noble birth in the whole prison first there were five poles of whom further on i shall speak in detail they were detested by the convicts more perhaps than the russian nobles the poles i speak only of the political convicts always behaved to them with a constrained and offensive politeness scarcely ever speaking to them and making no endeavour to conceal the disgust which they experienced in such company. The convicts understood all this and paid them back in their own coin. Two years passed before I could gain the goodwill of my companions, but the greater part of them were attached to me and declared that I was a good fellow. There were altogether, counting myself, five Russian nobles in the convict prison. I had heard of one of them even before my arrival as a vile and base creature, horribly corrupt, doing the work of spy and informer accordingly from the very first day i refused to enter into relations with this man the second was the parricide of whom i have spoken in these memoirs the third was akimitch i have scarcely ever seen such an original and i have still a lively recollection of him tall thin weak-minded and terribly ignorant he was as argumentative and as particular about details as a german the convicts laughed at him but they feared him on account of his susceptible excitable and quarrelsome disposition as soon as he arrived he was on a footing of perfect equality with them he insulted them and beat them phenomenally just it was sufficient for him that there was injustice to interfere in an affair which did not concern him he was moreover exceedingly simple when he quarrelled with the convicts he reproached them with being thieves and exhorted them in all sincerity to steal no more he had served as a sub-lieutenant in the caucasus i made friends with him the first day and he related to me his affair he had begun as a cadet in a line regiment after waiting some time to be appointed to his commission as sub-lieutenant he at last received it and was sent into the mountains to command a small fort a small tributary prince in the neighbourhood set fire to the fort and made a night attack which had no success akimitch was very cunning and pretended not to know that he was the author of the attack which he attributed to some insurgents wandering about the mountains after a month he invited the prince in a friendly way to come and see him the prince arrived on horseback without suspecting anything akimitch drew up his garrison in line of battle and exposed to the soldiers the treason and villainy of his visitor he reproached him with his conduct proved to him that to set fire to the fort was a shameful crime explained to him minutely the duties of a tributary prince and then by way of peroration to his harangue had him shot he at once informed his superior officers of this execution with all the details necessary thereupon Akimich was brought to trial he appeared before a court-martial and was condemned to death but his sentence was commuted and he was sent to siberia as a convict of the second class condemned that is to say to twelve years hard labour and imprisonment in a fortress he admitted willingly that he had acted illegally and that the prince ought to have been tried in a civil court and not by a court-martial nevertheless he could not understand that his action was a crime he had burned my fort what was i to do was i to thank him for it he answered to my objections although the convicts laughed at akimitch and pretended that he was a little mad they esteemed him all the same by reason of his cleverness and his precision he knew all possible trades and could do whatever you wished he was cobbler bootmaker painter carver gilder and locksmith he had acquired these talents at the convict prison for it was sufficient for him to see an object in order to imitate it he sold in the town or caused to be sold baskets lanterns and toys thanks to his work he had always some money which he employed in buying shirts pillows and so on he had himself made a mattress and as he slept in the same room as myself he was very useful to me at the beginning of my imprisonment before leaving prison to go to work the convicts were drawn up in two ranks before the orderly room surrounded by an escort of soldiers with loaded muskets an officer of engineers then arrived with the superintendent of the works and a few soldiers who watched the operations the superintendent counted the convicts and sent them in bands to the place where they were to be occupied i went with some other prisoners to the workshop of the engineers a low brick house built in the midst of a large courtyard full of materials there was a forge there and carpenters locksmiths and painters workshops akimitch was assigned to the last he boiled the oil for the varnish mixed the colours and painted tables and other pieces of furniture in imitation walnut While I was waiting to have additional irons put on, I communicated to him my first impressions. Yes, he said, they do not like nobles, above all those who have been condemned for political offences, and they take a pleasure in wounding their feelings. Is it not intelligible? We do not belong to them. We do not suit them. They have all been serfs or soldiers. Tell me what sympathy they can have for us. The life here is hard, but it is nothing in comparison with that of the disciplinary companies in Russia there it is hell the men who have been in them praise our convict prison it is paradise compared to their purgatory not that the work is harder it is said that with the convicts of the first class the administration it is not exclusively military as it is here acts quite differently from what it does towards us they have their little houses there i have been told for i have not seen them myself they wear no uniform their heads are not shaved though in my opinion uniforms and shaved heads are not bad things it is neater and also it is more agreeable to the eye only these men do not like it oh what a babel this place is soldiers circassians old believers peasants who have left their wives and families jews gypsies people come from heaven knows where and all this variety of men are to live quietly together side by side eat from the same dish and sleep on the same planks not a moment's liberty no enjoyment except in secret they must hide their money in their boots and then always the convict prison at every moment perpetually convict prison involuntarily wild ideas come to one as i already knew all this i was above all anxious to question akimitch in regard to our major he concealed nothing and the impression which his story left upon me was far from being an agreeable one i had to live for two years under the authority of this officer all that akimitch had told me about him was strictly true he was a spiteful ill-regulated man terrible above all things because he possessed almost absolute power over two hundred human beings he looked upon the prisoners as his personal enemies first and very serious fault his rare capacities and perhaps even his good qualities were perverted by his intemperance and his spitefulness he sometimes fell like a bombshell into the barracks in the middle of the night if he noticed a prisoner asleep on his back or his left side he awoke him and said to him you must sleep as i ordered the convicts detested him and feared him like the plague his repulsive crimson countenance made everyone tremble we all knew that the major was entirely in the hands of his servant fedka and that he had nearly gone mad when his dog treasure fell ill he preferred this dog to every other living creature when fedka told him that a convict who had picked up some veterinary knowledge made wonderful cures he sent for him directly and said to him i entrust my dog to your care if you cure treasure i will reward you royally this man a very intelligent siberian peasant was indeed a good veterinary surgeon but he was above all a cunning peasant he used to tell his comrades long after the affair had taken place the story of his visit to the major i looked at treasure he was lying down on a sofa with his head on a white cushion i saw at once that he had inflammation and that he wanted bleeding i think i could have cured him but i said to myself what will happen if the dog dies it will be my fault no your noble highness i said to him you have called me too late if i had seen your dog yesterday or the day before he would now be restored to health but at the present moment i can do nothing he will die and treasure died i was told one day that a convict had tried to kill the major this prisoner had for several years been noticed for his submissive attitude and also his silence he was regarded even as a madman as he possessed some instruction he passed his nights reading the bible when everybody was asleep he rose climbed up on the stove lit a church taper opened his gospel and began to read he did this for an entire year one fine day he left the ranks and declared that he would not go to work he was reported to the major who flew into a rage and hurried to the barracks the convict rushed forward and hurled at him a brick which he had procured beforehand but it missed him the prisoner was seized tried and whipped it was a matter of a few moments carried to the hospital and died there three days afterwards he declared during his last moments that he hated no one but that he had wished to suffer He belonged to no sect of fanatics. Afterwards, when people spoke of him in the barracks, it was always with respect. At last, they put new irons on me. While they were being soldered, a number of young women selling little white loaves came into the forge one after another. They were for the most part quite little girls who came to sell the loaves that their mothers had baked. As they got older, they still continued to hang about us, but they no longer brought bread. There were always some of them about there were also married women each roll cost two kopecks nearly all the prisoners used to have them i noticed a prisoner who worked as a carpenter he was already getting gray but he had a ruddy smiling complexion he was joking with the vendors of rolls before they arrived he had tied a red handkerchief round his neck a fat woman much marked with the smallpox put down her basket on the carpenter's table they began to talk why did you not come yesterday said the convict with a self-satisfied smile i did come but you had gone replied the woman boldly yes they made us go away otherwise we should have met the day before yesterday they all came to see me who came why Mariashka, kavroshka Chekunda, dugroshva what i said to akimitch is it possible that yes it happens sometimes he replied lowering his eyes for he was a very proper man yes it happens sometimes but rarely and with unheard-of difficulties the convicts preferred to spend their money in drink it was very difficult to meet these women it was necessary to come to an agreement about the place and the time to arrange a meeting to find solitude and what was most difficult of all to avoid the escorts almost an impossibility and to spend relatively prodigious sums i have sometimes however witnessed love scenes one day three of us were heating a brick-kiln on the banks of the Irtich. the soldiers of the escort were good-natured fellows two blowers they were so called soon appeared where were you staying so long said a prisoner to them who had evidently been expecting them was it at the zverkovs that you were detained at the zverkovs it will be fine weather and the fowls will have teeth when i go to see them replied one of the women she was the dirtiest woman imaginable she was called Chikunda and had arrived in company with her friend the four kopecks, who was beneath all description it's a long time since we have seen anything of you says the gallant to her of the four kopecks. you seem to have grown thinner perhaps formerly i was good-looking and plump whereas now one might fancy i had swallowed eels and you still run after the soldiers is that so all calumny on the part of wicked people and after all if i was to be flogged to death for it i like soldiers never mind your soldiers we're the people to love we have money imagine this gallant with his shaved crown with fetters on his ankles dressed in a coat of two colours and watched by an escort as i was now returning to the prison my irons had been put on i wished akimich goodbye and went away escorted by a soldier those who do task work return first and when i got back to the barracks a good number of convicts were already there as the kitchen could not have held the whole barrack full at once We did not all dine together those who came in first were first served i tasted the cabbage soup but not being used to it could not eat it and i prepared myself some tea i sat down at one end of the table with a convict of noble birth like myself the prisoners were going in and out there was no want of room for there were not many of them five of them sat down apart from the large table the cook gave them each two ladles full of soup and brought them a plate of fried fish these men were having a holiday they looked at us in a friendly manner one of the poles came in and took his seat by our side i was not with you but i know that you are having a feast exclaimed a tall convict who now came in he was a man of about fifty years thin and muscular his face indicated cunning and at the same time liveliness his lower lip fleshy and pendant, gave him a soft expression well have you slept well why don't you say how do you do well now my friends of kursk he said sitting down by the side of the feasters good appetite here's a new guest for you we are not from the province of kursk then my friends from Tombov, let me say we are not from Tombov either you have nothing to claim from us if you want to enjoy yourself go to some rich peasant i have maria ikotishna in my belly otherwise i should die of hunger but where is your peasant to be found good heavens we mean gazin go to him gazin is on the drink to-day he's devouring his capital he has at least twenty roubles says another convict it is profitable to keep a drinking shop you won't have me then i must eat the government food will you have some tea if so ask these noblemen for some where do you see any noblemen they're noblemen no longer they're not a bit better than us said in a sombre voice a convict who was seated in the corner who hitherto had not risked a word i should like a cup of tea but i am ashamed to ask for it i have self-respect said the convict with a heavy lip looking at me with a good-humoured air i will give you some if you like i said will you have some what do you mean will i have some who would not have some he said coming towards the table only think when he was free he ate nothing but cabbage soup and black bread but now he is in prison he must have tea like a perfect gentleman continued the convict with a sombre air does no one here drink tea i asked him but he did not think me worthy of a reply white rolls white rolls who'll buy a young prisoner was carrying in a net a load of scones which he proposed to sell in the prison for every ten that he sold the baker gave him one for his trouble it was precisely on this tenth scone that he counted for his dinner white rolls white rolls he cried as he entered the kitchen white moscow rolls all hot i would eat the whole of them but i want money lots of money come lads there's only one left for any of you who has had a mother this appeal to filial love made everyone laugh and several of his white rolls were purchased well he said gazin has drunk in such a style it is quite a sin he has chosen a nice moment too if the man with the eight eyes should arrive we shall hide him is he very drunk yes and ill-tempered too unmanageable there will be some fighting then whom are they speaking of i said to the pole my neighbour of Gazin, he is a prisoner who sells spirits when he has gained a little money by his trade he drinks it to the last kopeck. a cruel malicious animal when he has been drinking when sober he is quiet enough but when he is in drink he shows himself in his true character he attacks people with a knife until it is taken from him how do they manage that ten men throw themselves upon him and beat him like a sack without mercy until he loses consciousness when he is half dead with the beating they lay him down on his plank bedstead and cover him over with his police but they might kill him any one else would die of it but not he he is excessively robust he is the strongest of all the convicts his constitution is so solid that the day after one of these punishments he gets up perfectly sound tell me please i continued speaking to the pole why these people keep their food to themselves and at the same time seem to envy me my tea your tea has nothing to do with it they are envious of you are you not a gentleman you in no way resemble them they would be glad to pick a quarrel with you in order to humiliate you you don't know what annoyances you will have to undergo it is martyrdom for men like us to be here our life is doubly painful and great strength of character can alone accustom one to it you will be vexed and tormented in all sorts of ways on account of your food and your tea although the number of men who buy their own food and drink tea daily is large enough they have a right to do so you have not he got up and left the table a few minutes later his predictions were already being fulfilled End of chapter three recording by expatriate in bangor maine